Hi, and welcome to Cohen Creative Design Show. We're supporting you to become the designer of your life by implementing tips and tricks to help you manifest your desires. I'm your host, Christina Cohen, and I'm just a girl from a small town with big dreams. I'm motivated by my family and passions for sharing and creating. My mission is to bring you stories from others who have manifested prosperity in their lives and help you take unapologetic action in creating the life you desire. Your life and business transformation begins at Co-Creative Designs. Keith Dobman, co-owner of My Shower Door and My Architectural Glass in Southwest Florida. Some of Keith's top skills is negotiation, leadership, customer service, and team building. Well, good morning, Keith. Dobman, how are you? Thank you so much for being here with me this morning. Thanks for having me. This is an honor. <laughs> so um, I'm going to start off this meeting with some rapid fire questions. Have you ever done these before? I haven't, but I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> you haven't? Okay. So these are going to be totally off the cuff. And I'm going to start with one. Describe yourself in three words. <laughs> Very competitive. Passionately. I could see that. That was because, I mean, that's just what came to mind. Uh, there you go. That's just, I'm extremely competitive. I'm passionate about that. And, you know, I play within the rules. I push the boundaries, but uh -huh. I, I've come to realize over the years that the chase is actually more exciting than the actual end. So the competitive part of having to yeah. think outside the box and collaborate with people is, is what I really love to do. So I'd say I'm competitive. I like that. I definitely like that. Um, so this is a very interesting question. Um, if, if a movie was made of your life, uh, what genre would it be? Um, I would believe it's probably the eighties, but I wish it was <laughs> in the wild, wild west. I always wanted to be a cowboy. Um, I don't know why I resonated. I think my grandfather used to have me watch a lot of old Clint Eastwood, uh, yes. movies. I, I just always had this factory. I got a big cowboy hat I like to wear on the weekend on the boat. Uh, but probably the 80s. Love a lot of 80s music. Um, I dress like I'm in the 80s still. <laughs> love 80s music and movies. So probably the 80s. That's incredible. I love that. Everybody loves the 80s. Yeah. I bet you the neon stuff's going to be coming out real soon. You know, Everything comes back. Stuff. Everything comes back. So I know that you're so inspirational um, and I know that you do a lot of research. Um, so my next question is, um, I know it's going to be a long list. And if you can't just pick one, I understand, but who do you admire? Well, outside of my parents, of course, um, mm -hmm. admire, I admire, um, uh, because we're doing this through social media, I'll pick that niche, uh, uh, Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk, it was probably somebody that I, had, I admire a lot. I've modeled um, all my success off of LinkedIn, off a of tutelage that I've learned from him. Uh huh. And funny little story, I've only been on social media for about three and a half years. So I was mm -hmm. extremely late to the party on getting on. I mean, I literally, I didn't even do a Google search before three and a half years ago. I didn't, I didn't do that. Really? I didn't my hands building in the factory. I just, that's not what I did. 
Uh And my mother came to me and said, Keith, you need to get on a social media platform and whatever it is you're doing, just put it out there and start creating this buzz. And I want you to watch this guy named Gary Vee. You'll like him. He's smart. He swears. He's just like you. (laughs) And I said, okay, mom, I'll watch him. And after about three or four of his videos, I saw how competitive he was, but passionate. You know, he wasn't about tearing other people down. It wasn't a zero sum game for him. It was just coming up with another way to build up while helping everyone else around you. And that, that was really cool. And, you know, I, I think a lot of it's rooted around empathy. He talks about that a lot. I even think he owns a vineyard now called empathy. So oh, Gary, I love that. Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, I think he's known as is somebody that uh, I admire and I respect a lot. And I, I think he's, he's going places and I've learned a lot from him. So I hear a lot of resemblance between the both of you. Well, I'm, I'm probably biting off of some of his stuff because I watch so much of it. But That's I'm good. trying to repackage it in our niche. And, you know, he's putting it out there for us to learn. And, and, That's and right. you know, people, a lot of people often ask for advice mm-hmm. and they get it teed up from the best, but they don't implement it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of other human dynamics to come into play. But uh, I've, w- if you're going to spend time to research it and then take the time to listen, you know, it doesn't take that much more to try and implement it. It's just overcoming that fear factor. Um, then you start seeing the gains. And that's what I did. And it's, I couldn't ever imagine four years ago being where I am today because mm-hmm. of a one minute selfie video every day. I mean, it's changed everything. Mm-hmm. The amount of opportunities that we've seen, the credibility, the rapport, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of unknown unknowns that come with it that you don't see on the face. But once you experience it, you really kind of see the, uh, the power behind it. So that's my long-winded answer. On, uh, I have a lot of admiration for Mr. Gary Vee. No, I love that. I love the explanation to it. And it gives a lot of good um, relationship detail as to, you know, why and who you have become today. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, so here's another fun one. Um, what is your favorite summer activity down here in Southwest Florida? <laughs> oh, um, I am a big golfer, but as you know, summertime, unless you're first off in the morning, it's brutal to be out there. So yes. um, we love to go boating. Uh, we mm-hmm. live um, on the water. And so we go hard all week. And on the weekend, I like to put a bathing suit on Friday and I take it off like Monday morning. And so we try to put it on the water on the weekend to try and forget about everything, uh, which doesn't happen, but that's our favorite uh, activity for sure. Is going to the beach, um, getting sun and just, you know, hanging out. We love to be around people and just have a good time. I love that. And it's kind of off the cuff, but do you um, invite a lot of your teammates or some of your um, employees with you to some of these beach days? Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're constantly entertaining. Haven't made it a practice to really, um, to handpick anybody in particular, but yes, there's, there's people that are in my circle that have come out and, and we do get out and do those type of things, but I'm actually a lot of times bringing clients and more people cause I'm still in the building stage as well. So mm-hmm. when we have activities like this, a lot of times I'm designers, um, other sales reps, mm-hmm. to work trying to kill two birds with one stone. I like that. Business and pleasure. I like it. So I know my, my personal bucket list is so long, but if you were to pick 
two things off your bucket list that you are are putting at your high importance list, what would it be? Okay, so since I've become 40 years old, I have changed this list a couple of times. And I believe it's important to have these type of things. It's, you know, vision drives decision. So I'm constantly looking at these things. I'll eventually make decisions that'll lead me to this vision that I am. Mm -hmm. So because I've tried to personally challenge myself to overcome a lot of things that I've normally been afraid of, one of those things is skydiving. I even have wow. a hard time. I think if you listen to when I just said that, you'll probably hear the the breath kind of yes. nervous even saying it. Um, yes. My the I want to do it. I really, really want to. I want to say that I did it, but I'm having scared, like really scared, scared to yeah. even think about it. Uh, but I have to do it. I just have to. Do oh, you have so that, that's probably number one on the hip parade. Do you have it scheduled? Uh, no, 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 <laughs> no, not yet. It'll have to be at the tail end of the business. Um, <laughs> just because of relationships are here. I'm kind of the, uh, I agree. The and look at, you're I'm bringing not allowed to logic into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not allowed to do stuff like that. Yes. So that's on the bucket list. And then what's another one? That's really good. <clears throat> you know, the success that we've had over the business over the last 10 years in particular has opened my eyes up to really how much we enjoy helping other people. Yeah. And consequently, the more you do that, the, the more it benefits everybody. And so one of the bucket lists as we have as a family is to really, when we got into this business, we said, we want to commit ourselves so much to this, that we want to leave a mark mm-hmm. on the glass industry as a whole and bring something better to the table than what was here before us. And so one of our bucket list, I know this isn't a traditional one, but that's okay. Really actively, every decision that we make is for the company. It's not for us personally, it's for the company, because we want to build a brand that's so strong that it'll be something that's here well after we're gone. And for anybody that's building a business or trying to create anything, you know, winning's one thing for athletes, but what's most important more than even winning championship stuff is a legacy. Mm-hmm. And everybody wants to be in a hall of fame. Everybody wants to be remembered after gone. And so one of our bucket list items is a, is a core group family is to build um, a culture and a brand that will stand the test of time long after we're gone. And so we're actively doing that every day. And so I know I'm not working on the first one, but we're actively working on the second one every day. That's perfect. I love that. I, I do believe in um, taking some time to make a personal legacy and also something for professional. Um, and I think that you are very passionate about your professional legacy. And I could see that. And I believe all of your customers and all of your employees see that and feel that from you. So I love that. And that's great. Um, and I can't wait to see that happen for you. I appreciate it. Where you know, if you want to go fast, you go alone. But if you want to go far, you have to go as a team. And we got, we got an awesome team. I mean, mm-hmm. we we got an awesome team. There's people that run through fire here, and I would do it for everyone here as well. Yes, I'll run through fire. So, I think that that's what makes you an incredible leader. Thank you. I love that. So thank you so much again for um, taking the time for us to, to get to know you. Um, sometimes it's, you know, on a professional level, we always just see this outer shell. Um, but, we, you know, it is, 
it's hard to not be um, personal with the professional relationship and getting to know the real key. So thank you. Um, so how we actually met was just a few short weeks ago um, at a event, a local event, and you were able to um, to put on this incredible discussion um, on emotional intelligence. Um, me being a life coach, this is something that was definitely you were speaking to me directly. Um, this is totally my jam. And I wanted to share your story with, um, with all my listeners. And I love especially the part where you utilize um, emotional intelligence with your sales. And I think that a lot of individuals would benefit off of um, some of your secrets on that. So why don't you go ahead and elaborate on that for me? Yeah, so... There's a lot to unpack there, but before I do, I want to pay homage uh, to another person I have a lot of admiration for, and uh, it's the gentleman that I studied this through. His name is Chris Voss, and actually, even more so, I spent more time with his son, uh, Brandon Voss, who grew up, obviously, with his father, and his father was the number one FBI's hostage and kidnapping negotiator in the world, uh, mm -hmm. especially for the FBI. And so much so that he rewrote the book of uh, negotiating at Quantico, where all FBI agents kind of go through to be taught and then kind of released out into their field duties. And then he rewrote the book at Scotland Yard. So these are the most intelligent people in the world are now utilizing skill sets that he put together through his teaching and, you know, doing the same things you and I are doing, constantly trying to get better and learn. And he kind of acquired all this information and kind of repackaged it. And that's where I took it from. And the really weird coincidence about this universe, I told you, Gary V is the first person that got me onto social media. Uh -huh. While being on social media, I came across Chris Voss, but both of them use something that's called empathy. Mm -hmm. uh, they have massive amounts of success. And I think it's important just to clarify the difference for a lot of people that might be listening between empathy and sympathy. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of those end up, I think a lot of people end up thinking it's the same thing. You know, I feel sad. I got to give you a hug. Come here. Let me give you a hug. And, and that's not empathy at all. Empathy is the demonstration of what the other person sees through their eyes. Mm-hmm. And that means you can have empathy with somebody that you hate. Yeah, like I don't have to agree with a word that you're saying to me. I don't even have to like you. But if I can have empathy with you and put my pride aside, I can collab, you know, I can collaborate with you much quicker because you'll start to let your guard down and your intuition is not going to see me fighting with you because I think humans usually just they want to fight. I think um, we have this defense mechanism on us that kind of keeps us on guard. And we've collected all these biases over the years from used car salesmen or wherever we've been taken advantage of. And now we kind of put everybody in that bucket until they can prove us wrong. And then we start to let our guard down. Yes. And I found that using uh, these skills to demonstrate empathy has allowed me to collaborate not only much quicker but because of the neuroscience that's behind it, it's much stronger. So these collaborations are getting together faster and they're stronger. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to play the long game, uh, 
I found after 16 years of doing it one way and now trying only two years this way, it's not even close. I mean, if I could go back, I, we all say if we can go back in time, if I could go back in time and yes. skills now, I'd like to say we'd still be talking, but I'd probably be in Ibiza or Monaco somewhere now because <laughs> it's just that powerful. It really, yes, it is. It really is. And, um, and it's uncomfortable. It's a, you know, before we got on camera, we were talking about fear, mm -hmm. even with my bucket list, the fear, you know, we, it's just, everybody's afraid. It's a question of what we're afraid of. Correct. And when deploying these skills, it just feels different. And you think the other person's going to hate you and they're going to find out what it is. And, and so now we don't even do it. And we go back to what we're used to. And when I was doing sales, I just figured, okay, this is how it is. So I just need to do a lot more of it. You know, if I throw 10 pieces of spaghetti against the wall, two of them are going to stick. So now let's throw a thousand and I start playing the numbers game. And it wasn't until I really started to appreciate the true value of my time that I realized this is a waste of time. There's got to be a better way. There just has to be a better way. And that's when I came across uh, the Chris Foss with the tactical empathy. And do you, do you feel that now with your new, um, new approach to using Chris Foss's, um, a lot of his skill set that he was demonstrating that you are attracting the right clients more so now, um, opposed to going the old fashioned, like <laughs> beat them with the sales pitch routines? Yeah. So there's two things there. One, I don't beat them with the sales pitch routine anymore because that releases a, a bad chemical in the brain that creates the fight or flight mechanism. And we don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. That's not deploying empathy. Um, the first part of your question was, uh, what was the first part of your question? So with you utilizing this new tactic from Chris Boss. Oh, so attracting. It, uh -huh. I would say it ends up attracting more because I'm doing business. The people that I end up doing business with is so strong that they end up telling their friends. And so if I like doing business with this person, it would stand to reason that I like everybody in that pool. That mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so the, that's one tactical. The other one is it allows me in the beginning to use it as a filter to see if that's somebody I even want to do business with. Maybe, maybe they're not a right fit for me. Right. It, Cause it, this goes both ways. You Correct. know, a customer will obviously come because they want to see if they trust me, mm -hmm. but I would argue I'm also doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. I've done enough reps now that, you know, I'm not saying I'm sure this is going to seem extremely cocky and arrogant, but I don't need to practice anymore. I've already learned all these lessons the hard way. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to get the most out of my time and doing that is finding out if there's even a deal to be had. In the mm -hmm. you know, it's not a sin to not get a deal. It is a sin to take a long time not to get a deal. I it's love that. Just, so with these skills, it, it kind of teases it up a lot faster. So it, I'm buying more time. I can do more deals and I can do more better deals. I think that from what I've also heard and correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I feel that your genuine approach to all this stuff too is the longevity of a relationship as well. You know, that's more so the bottom line, not such a transaction type of sale uh, pitch or technique. This is an actual relationship that you're forming with your, your, your coworkers um, and also your clients. 
some people that are naive would call it greedy. Mm -hmm. The intelligent ones call it long-term greedy. Because <laughs> if I want to do business with you forever, mm -hmm. my baseline has to be, I'm putting you first. Mm -hmm. Everything I do, I'm going to say, I mean what I say and I say what I mean. I, whatever we talk about, I'm going to go to my grave making sure that happens because that's the only way you'll stick by me if there's a problem or in the future or tell your friends at dinner. And so our baseline, our integrity, our morals, we don't compromise those for anything, mm -mm. for anything. Mm -hmm. And I think- When did you figure that out? Uh, it, you know, it's cliche. You've always heard it. We've probably all said it, but I, I'm being very vulnerable here. It, probably about three years ago, mm -hmm. three years ago, two years, it became gospel to me because uh -huh. in the past, if I felt like I was done dirty by a contractor or somebody that came in and, and pulled a shot on me where they, they kind of led me to believe this was happening just so they could get this. And then I, you know, they say, don't burn a bridge. I would bomb the bridge. I would, it was just immature. Um, you know, I let the emotion take over me. You know, they say you can only hold your breath as long as you can hold your emotions. It's so true. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And we say that we can control it, but we can't. That's why we go, don't get mad. Don't get mad. Don't get, mad. don't kill him. Don't kill him. You know, and I lost it. And so after having one of those kind of really go sour on me, uh -huh. I really looked at myself and said, this, this isn't right. This just, it doesn't feel right. And, you know, I could try and justify it in my head, like you deserved it, but it just, it's not right. Mm -hmm. So after listening to the empathy and kind of really. And all of these moving parts sound yeah. like it really started to come in and click in. Yes. And it wasn't just an, one aha moment. I truly believe that these moments are a series of events of small right. different pieces that all piece together. And you just, it's kind of like a, an awakening almost to, to say, you know, I, I just don't, I no longer want to do things like this anymore, whether it's personal or on a professional level, I want to run this way. Um, and I think that those, those moments all have to happen for a reason, you know, all of these things have to happen. So we learn and we have to, um, we have a genuine appreciation from where we want to go and then be able to teach these things to others. So, um, I'm glad that you did take the second to, you know, admit that there was, you know, it's okay that it was three years ago because you've, you've come so far within the last three years that, um, I think you should be unapologetic with that. Certainly. I appreciate it. They say, uh, I'm not a big religious guy, but the one thing I have heard that really sticks with me is the, the pride goeth before the fall. And that, <laughs> I mean, it's so true. Like mm -hmm. people will literally die to preserve their autonomy. They will. Yes. And, and so it's imperative that when we're selling, I know you said, how am I bringing empathy to sales? Not to get off track, but it's imperative to preserve the other side's autonomy when going through a collaboration, because the second you start attacking their autonomy and you might not even know it, you start creating a further divide and making it more difficult for yourself. And mm -hmm. so I won't even ask yes oriented questions anymore to customers because I think people have been so battered with yes. you know, my phone rings here. It's like, you got a few minutes to talk. Everybody gets that phone call from a solicitor. Do you got a few minutes to talk? Mm -hmm. nobody answers that phone and says, yeah, 
just waiting for some random weirdo to call me. Yes. You want to make more money? Yes. Like, you know, they're taking you somewhere. So yeah, yeah. Th that's not preserving my autonomy. Yes. So now, you know, we, or me, we, me will, will not ask or yes oriented questions. I will ask a no oriented question uh, because I've been taught and I see it firsthand that people are going to act differently and it gives you the illusion of control, right? Say, mm -hmm. would it be ridiculous to think you got a few minutes to talk? Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to get a not if I get a no, which gives you control, you're not really, I'm preserving your autonomy. You're not really kind of admitting to anything. Yeah. You're not feeling like you're giving in. You kind of feel protected when you say no. Mm -hmm. No, now's not a bad mm -hmm. time. So now it seems like it's your idea, which means you're going to pay more attention. Mm -hmm. And if you say, yes, it is a bad time. It, if you can just keep your mouth shut long enough and use dynamic silence because it triggers other human dynamics, the person will say, yes, but you can call me back tomorrow and we can have a scheduled appointment and talk. <clears throat> and so now I'm preserving time. I'm not fighting to keep them on the phone because I know they mm -hmm. don't want to be on the phone. Yeah. And so this approach of persistence, persistence breaks down resistance by a lot of people out there. It's just, I got sucked into that in the beginning because I didn't have any formal experience. Mm -hmm. But once I learned about preserving autonomy and intuition, that is a horrible way to go after it. People, people's intuition is amazing and they can smell that a mile away because they've been burned by some AC repair guy or some used car salesman or some solicitor with a car warranty it, yeah. it's already happened and so now we're going to judge everybody based on those negative experiences and so if we know that it's incumbent upon us to change it because otherwise we're just the definition of insanity right could you could you perhaps go into a uh the story that you used of a kind of a disgruntled customer that you had um that went through the renovation um, and had some severe leaking issues. And then they call you and your company and it's now your turn to install um, their, the glass door and the shower enclosure. And um, I believe that they were just brutal in the beginning. So how, how could you utilize being empathetic to disgruntled customers that you've already formed the relationship with and you still want to try to preserve and still try to capture um, you know, your longevity relationships with them? Well, first, um, the pride part has to come first. It's widely studied that humans so primitive that to survive, for the caveman to even survive when he was roaming the earth from the saber-toothed tiger, that we eventually developed this intuition and this part of our brain, the amygdala, where all of our emotion runs through, 75% of it is rooted in negativity. That's what kept the caveman alive, to be mm -hmm. kind of suspicious and cynical and uh, timid. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it's always defensive. Yes. And so when a customer comes in and they're already hot under the collar because their expectations weren't met um, or they're just has nothing to do with you. <laughs> it has nothing to do with you, but they're up. It's obvious that they're upset. Mm -hmm. So using empathy or the, in the realm of under the empathetic umbrella, 
The first thing is the second they come in, I'm not a salesman going, oh, how you doing? Because a person's, again, their intuition is amazing. And their thoughts when you say that is, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, how the fuck do you think I'm doing? <laughs> no, I'm pissed. <laughs> and so now you've already started. Escalated. And you don't even know it. And so mm-hmm. these are some of these things that these soft skills, if, if, if the people really take, it's a two millimeter shift, but it's a massive one. Mm-hmm. And so the person's obviously um, genuinely upset about something. So as soon as they come in, I kind of do a cold read. You know, we've all done this. We've all seen enough transactions within our businesses that we kind of, three things are going on here. So I know which one it is. I'm going to be cognizant of that. As soon as they come in, my voice is going to dial down into an extremely collaborative. Um, I'm not going to be using things like, sir, calm down. I'm, I'm not going to be giving any demands. I'm going to label the actual emotion that I can kind of, whatever my gut's telling me, I'm going to call it out with a label. Label starts with it sounds, seems, feels, or looks. And he's going to come in and I would say, ah, Mr. Smith, seems like this is an emergency. Now that label is going to trigger him kind of this unconscious, almost word vomit of yeah. whatever's on his mind, because mm-hmm. it innocuously said, what's your problem? Tell me, mm-hmm. but what's your problem is a demand. And yes. so that, again, we, it goes down a different path. It goes down the fight path where it takes two to fight. Whereas if I'm using this collaborative deployment kind of turns it into a dance. Mm-hmm. He starts talking about it. Now that negative emotion starts going down. You know, negative emotions never die. You know this. Negative emotions never die. They fester. Mm-hmm. And so I need to disarm that immediately. Seems like this is an emergency. Yeah, yeah, you know, the guys are supposed to be out here. And the sweep wasn't on the door. And I took the first shower. There's water all over the problem. You probably think we're the worst company in the world right now. No, 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 I didn't say that. You know, it's just my daughter-in-law is coming in this weekend. Now we see what's going on. Just like we talked earlier, it's never the straw that the camels, but you know, it was just the last straw. There was a million other straws before this, the last straw. And so the shower problem wasn't the problem. Like we don't test them after we install it because the silicone's got to dry. And so I don't want to say it's a coin flip, but we have very low callback rate, but there's times we come where we excel is we can get right back out there and fix it. But when he came in thinking that he had to go guns blazing like cowboys and just go right for the juggler because they use fear. People that don't know how to negotiate typically use fear. Fear. Mm-hmm. And, and so if you don't play with fear, his intuition says, wow, this is, this guy's really trying to help me. And I get empathy. Mm-hmm. So I go, you probably, you probably think we're the worst company in the world. He's no, no, no. I don't think that, you know, my daughter-in-law's coming this weekend and they're getting married. And it's the first time that she's coming to our house. And my wife wants everything perfect. Mm-hmm. And I just want to go play golf. You want to play <laughs> golf? And I mirror him. And now within a minute, I'm getting invited to go play golf. You know, we've already deployed service guy to get out there. And this guy's my best friend. And the, you know, the most dangerous negotiation is the one you don't know you're in. And this is kind of how you do it. And consequently, he's going to leave there better off. Mm-hmm. Some people that watch this might think right out of the gate, this is manipulation. 
the difference between manipulation and, and persuasion is intent. And I'm here to tell everybody the intentions of my shower door and everybody employed here is to do good by the customer. Mm-hmm. And so if that means I talk to somebody a certain way to help tamper their anxiety and make them feel comfortable that we're going to fix their problem, then shame on me. But this is what we found works the best. And it just creates better relationships for everybody. Nobody needs to go around being stressed all the time. That's, that's not good. Mm-hmm. I think doctors and most medical professionals are made the last two decades trying to mitigate the release of cortisol or whatever it is that causes anxiety. Stress and anxiety, yeah. Yep. So we don't need to excel that by telling customers, be quiet, don't talk to me like that, you know, calm down. We can, there's other ways to tamper down these anxieties and kind of flip the script almost immediately uh, mm-hmm. if we're willing to give it a try. I think that that's very well played out on <laughs> handling of a disgruntled um, customer because it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't have to have anything to do with you or anything to do with the product. I mean, maybe it, maybe it was it, like you said, the last straw. But um, usually when people react to certain situations, it does have everything to do with, you know, a bunch of the counter moving parts, you know, and you can, you, you never know what's going on inside of anybody else's life um, in their home. So I think that um, just by genuine, uh, you know, empathy um, being introduced into a conversation is just, is going to make a huge world of a difference. Um, being I aware. also... Not to interrupt you, but being aware of, you know, awareness centers us. And so if we can be aware of everything and kind of always be curious, it's just a lot easier to kind of take and then repackage it and give it back. And you can really have, you can literally change the tone of a conversation. I'll give you one more quick story because this is one of my fun ones. Uh, I'm I'm down in North Naples um, in a gated community uh, paver driveways. I mean, just the bee's knees, right? Yeah. And this couple, they didn't act the way I believe I would act if I had a portion of their money. Okay. Very snooty. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, this was just the worst, most uncomfortable walkthrough that I was ever going in. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, there was no humor. There was no person. There was nothing. It was just mm-hmm. uncomfortable. And it's not a very collaborative environment when it's like that. It yes. just, it doesn't breed positive positivity makes you smarter. Blah, blah. You know, right. if you're not positive, you're actually dumber. So, so we're walking through, we get into the master bath and it was in the middle um, of the summer and the master bathroom is actually in the middle of the house. So there's no windows actually. It is very dark mm. and it's in the middle of summer and the power goes off on the house. There's literally no lights. It's dark. So it's me, my assistant, the husband, wife, and the architect, and it goes pitch black. And it's, I mean, awkward silence. Felt like an hour, probably two seconds. And I say, somebody grab my ass. And about two seconds later, the light goes on and the husband and wife are literally crying. They're laughing so hard. (laughs) And from that moment on, the, the meeting was unbelievable. It was just, it was a little bit of an icebreaker that brought some humor and kind of the positivity opened up their minds to be more like, we don't need to be like this. It's just yeah. this is pointless. Mm-hmm. And that little joke 
again, you have to be aware. You know, I knew based on things they were saying up to this point that I could get away with this. You know, it was kind of a 50-50 coin flip, but I figured I'd try it. And it worked perfect. Could it get any worse? <laughs> yeah, it, it couldn't get any worse. As a matter of fact, if they threw me off the job site, they'd been doing me a favor. I mean, it was that bad. And, but it changed everything. And that little two millimeter shift of deploying some humor is a, a massively underrated skill. You know, you mm -hmm. don't want to just go around telling jokes. It needs to be in context. Yes. But it had a massive impact on the rest of that. And I actually am still doing work, repeat work years after for this client. And I believe is mainly because I asked if anybody grabbed my ass. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great story i didn't i'm sure you could tell by my facial expressions i wasn't expecting that yeah yeah well it's timing's everything <laughs> oh my goodness i love it that was incredible um wow okay so i want to move on to something that i remember it's um it raising a flag with me, uh, not, not a red flag and out of uh, negativity, but something that piqued my interest. Um, so the conscious versus subconscious thinking. Um, we, you spoke a little bit about how us as humans run off of our conscious and subconscious thinking. Um, and I do know that 95% of our day is run off of our subconscious thinking. Um, and the rest of it is just 5%. So if we could shift some of our thinking, um, how beneficial do you think that we will be? Um, I love this part of the conversation. <laughs> it's a massive benefit. I grossly underestimated. I didn't actually even know what intuition, you know, I mean, I heard intuition and the subconscious, but I didn't know the power of our subconscious until I started studying on it and being more aware of it. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of this um, deployment of these skills with the empathy triggers in the subconscious. That's kind of the side door to getting in with um, a hostile situation with a either angry customer or it's not even necessarily angry customer. Maybe it's a customer that's just set in their ways. And, and we know as a professional I, if I do this at the end of this, this person is going to say, why did you let me do this? You know, like we already know that. And so now I got to try and get past that line they have drawn in the sand. And instead of going head on, the subconscious is kind of how you get in the side door. Um, and that's where a lot of these skills, they're so innocuous because that's where they're hitting. They're hitting the subconscious, which triggers a person's intuition to say, I don't know. There was something about when you came up to me at that boss event that just told me, you know what? I don't know you, never seen you before in my life, never heard you speak, but I have a feeling I want to go on your podcast. My intuition's telling me, seem like a good person, you know, the way you approached me. And that all my intel that I gathered to even make that comment came from my intuition, my subconscious. And I just, I think a lot of people don't listen to our intuition. I don't think anyone would ever say, I should have never listened to my gut. We usually say, I should have listened to my gut. Yes. And because our subconscious is just pulling in so much data. And then when it finally makes that connection, it sends it down to our gut or intuition that says, you know, this is right. I know mm -hmm. it's more money than the other competitors, but my 
subconscious, my intuition is telling me we should use Keith. I don't know what it is. Well, so this is how the deployment of these skills uh, work. They really live inside the subconscious. The one example that really hit home for me was driving. That was kind of my epiphany. I'm on my phone way more than I should be. Um, Probably won't be lasting much longer. So I'm going to have a full-time person filming me. So I don't have to drive and film it. (laughs) But I would. And a lot of times I'm scrolling through my feed and I'm driving to work. I go down 41 every day for the last 17 years, every day. You know, you tie a shoestring to my steering wheel and just go, it goes straight. And then I get all the way down to Naples and I go, oh my God, how did I just get here? Mm-hmm. And it was our, it's our subconscious. It just, it's, it's doing it just like routine. We really yep. Think about doing it. We just do it. And so when we really understand how powerful that is and what we can trigger in the subconscious, that's when you start to see the power of these skills. Cause that's, that's really where they live. A person's intuition is just massively powerful. Mm-hmm. And so we want to try and trigger it um, to help it be <coughs> for both of yep. us. Absolutely. I think that um, a lot of individuals may seem um, curious as to how um, this may start to work with, with instead of, you know, old breaking old habits of beating, uh, you know, beating a sales pitch, you know, beating a client with a sales pitch um, versus moving this into a new direction to be more conscious and aware of what they're doing and how they're interacting and learning how to be empathetic and learning how to start reading individuals. Um, it's, it's to make a change like that. It's like building muscle. When you go to the gym, you know, you go to the gym, you start lifting weights for one day. Of course, you're not going to see any results yet, but it does take time and repetitive pattern. And it will see over time (laughs) and repetition, um, you know, and, and working on these skills that it actually can start to make a difference and, and your subconscious thinking will now start to begin, um, move into your conscious thinking, um, where new habits are being able to be developed and formed and, and this new way of things will start to be second nature. Um, you know, so I just, I think that all of that all encompassing, um, is, is extremely important and, I believe that that's where a lot of um, importance with life coaching too comes into play with people who have these goals that they have set between personal or business life where they see themselves, you know, um, or wanting to be somewhere else, uh, desired values of, of, you know, growth in business or growth as a personal individual um, and not sure really how to get there or, or say, I, I know how to do all these things. I have all these tools, but why can't I just do it? So there's a lot more um, in depth involved with making those changes by utilizing some of these other skills. So they're massively perishable too. I've learned that this is mm-hmm. so different than, like you said, working out. I think it's a perfect parallel because I find myself sometimes getting off a couple of calls going, Oh, I missed the perfect opportunity for this skill. Or I should have mm-hmm. put my mouth shut for another two seconds. Cause I felt like there was something more, there was more toothpaste in the tube that was coming out. I just, I cut off because we're so used to these dynamics. Yeah. You talk, I talk, you talk, I talk, and it doesn't have to be that way, mm-hmm. but the habits been formed. And so yes. it's a 180 degree shift from what we're used to. And that's difficult for me. Yeah. You have to want it. Yep. And I wanted it bad because I did it wrong. I did it the other way for so long. And one thing that I read when I was going through this, they said the next 
cycle of high level performers, salespeople, like, you know, I'm still out there doing appointments every day. I mean, mm-hmm. I do a lot of this stuff cause it's fun and I like it. Uh, but I'm out there hunting every day, just like everybody else wanting to collaborate. And I read that the next like grouping of high level performers will all be deploying uh, emotional intelligence because we could do two days of work with what the average salesperson is doing in five. And it, that's not because we're working harder. Mm-hmm. We're just, we're not wasting as much time on deals that aren't going to be anything. And don't have to compromise our price. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a silent killer for most businesses. They start up and they think, well, you know, I just got to start mm-hmm. lowering my price. Well, I ask mm-hmm. you this, would you compromise your integrity? Would you compromise your principles? Mm-hmm. You set a price for a reason. Why are you compromising mm-hmm. your price? The reason is they're afraid. They're afraid they're going to lose it. But they also is because they don't have any other arrows in the quiver to deploy. And I would say to anybody that's out there that's tired of cutting their price or tired of being told what to do and you know it's not right, but you don't know how to handle it because you're afraid of not preserving the other side's autonomy and you might get fired either from a customer or for a job, I would tell you to look into the emotional intelligence because it kind of preserves the other side's autonomy and allows you to get your feelings out there while still not you know, pissing on someone's birthday cake, you know, it's probably not a good analogy, but you know what I'm saying? You don't want to just on your mind because you know how it's going to be received. Mm -hmm. And so using the emotional intelligence is, is the only way. Mm -hmm. I do. I do believe that wanting for me personally, I want to have relationships with individuals that want to have a relationship with me as well. You know, I will never, you know, as anybody to, to beg someone to to be there to beg someone to be a client to beg someone to do business with I mean that's not that's not something that feels natural um or you know promising to myself and I'm, I think that everybody um to start thinking about things like this that it you, you don't have to do all of you know we don't have to service that client if it's just not working for you you know and if, you if it means back- sacrificing if you look back on where you cut your price or anybody's cut their price, I'll guarantee you at some point during the implementation of those services or installation or whatever, mm-hmm. that person saying to herself, I should have never did this. And then consequently, you don't end up doing as good a job. Mm-hmm. So this works on the other side too, you know, just because of the mm-hmm. intelligence itself also uses on the buy side. Mm-hmm but I have to come from a good place because I know if I take somebody to the woodshed, like a car dealer, I'm going to have no deals one off. I'm going to need another car in three years. Cause I drive the, you know, what out of my vehicles like <laughs> a cowboy, and I'm going to need service. Yeah. And if that guy goes, Oh, here's that guy that took me to the woodshed. He's not going to put me to the front <clears throat> of the line on my oil change. I'm going to go to the back of the line and I'm going to mm-hmm. get a new guy doing it. And he's not going to give me the, free stuff that I like and the loaner car that I want. They're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So there's a fine line on deploying this stuff and mm-hmm. you, know, you can't just use it for good. I mean, you have to use it only for good and you can't use it just to, to take that. And that's the difference between manipulation, yes. you know, and, and is the intent behind all of it. Yeah. Um, come from a good spot. Absolutely. Yeah. Keith, this is amazing. 
<laughs> thank you so much for um for sharing some of your time and and all of your everything that you've learned the last few years um i could tell you're certainly passionate about it as in my um you know we geek out on the <laughs> on the human behaviors and and um, emotional intelligence, I think that it is the next um, way to do business. Um, and also take a step and look at what we have in our relationship form, you know? So um, I think that benefiting ourselves to the core is only going to enhance our relationships with others around us um, and make life generally just more, you know, uh, attractive and appealing. And, um, you know, life is too short. So I would love to to live my life in this manner rather than um, trying to go against the grain with everything, right? So I'm here for a long time, here for a good time. That's right. <laughs> As country Floridians. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh, thank you.